Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. New guidelines out from the HSE today call for obesity to be treated as a disease. And campaigners are welcoming this move and say it'll uh, it'll help with how the condition is managed. Uh, the chair of the Association for the Study of Obesity, Dr Cathy Breen, is with us on the show today because, Cathy, you actually helped to put these guidelines together. How will things change now as a result of this? Hi, Andrea, and thank, thanks for having us on today. Um, yeah, so we're, we're hoping, I suppose, that the guidelines will, will change how we think about obesity in Ireland, uh, how we diagnose it and, and how we treat it and, and thinking about it much more as a long-term chronic disease and not something that's based on body weight alone or treated with very simplistic approaches like eat less and move more. So I suppose that's a very outdated way of thinking about obesity. So the guidelines are, are based on the best science that we have and really trying to bring, I suppose, our care for obesity in Ireland up to that international standard. So if, if somebody is at the moment um, diagnosed or clinically diagnosed, Cathy, as obese, wh- mm. what is going to change as a result for them personally? So I suppose, if, first of all, the, the diagnosis, uh, a lot of people still think about obesity as simply based on the number on the scales or body mass index or, or body size. So, so the diagnosis for a start will, will change in that we'll be defining it as health impairment related to body weight. So lots of people live in, in bigger bodies and, and are very healthy but and they don't have obesity. But people who do have health impairment, um, we the, the guidelines would call for those people to, to be offered treatments as we would for any other chronic disease. And oh. I suppose there's a, there's a range of treatments. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. It's, it's not mm. just, a, you know, there's a couple of different elements to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. So historically, I suppose we think about nutrition as part, and, and that's part of it in activity, but also pharmacotherapy, bariatric surgery, psychological uh, interventions. There, there's no one size fits all. Obesity is as complex as any other chronic disease. And I suppose if we were thinking about things like type 2 diabetes, for example, we don't think that there's just one one fix for that or one, one size fits all. Um, we, we treat it with a, a range of approaches and, and really that's what the guidelines are calling for with obesity to to deliver evidence-based care and, and individualise the treatment, I suppose, to, to the person. Does treating obesity as a disease rather than it being perceived or seen as a, a lifestyle illness, does it destigmatise it, Cathy? We, we, we certainly hope that it will, um, and, and that's one of one of our key messages from today. O- obesity is, is still a highly stigmatised disease, and, and I suppose when, when people sometimes uh, try and talk to a healthcare professional about their health relating to weight, they don't always get a very positive reception. Um, so part of the guidelines will be offering some guidance to healthcare professionals on, on how to have those conversations as well. Uh, but I think that there's probably a need for a, a national conversation on, on, on weight stigma and, and how we think about weight and how we see it in media and, and, and how we think about it and, and really trying to, I suppose, shift the dial on that. The, does everybody in the medical profession see it this way, Cathy? Um, I, I suppose the, the medical profession is, is as, as open to, to weight bias as, as anyone else and we know that there are levels of weight bias in, among among healthcare professionals as much as as much as in in anybody else. Certainly, for for the these guidelines, we we've tried to be really broadly collaborative. We've had uh, about seventy 
specialists in obesity across the island of Ireland involved in, in adapting these guidelines. So we very wide consensus among healthcare professionals involved that this is best practice. We've also had collaboration with ICPO, the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity. So we've had lived experience in, involved in, in, in the adaptation of the guidelines and the HSE. So I would say there, there's very broad uh, welcome for these guidelines today. Okay. Bernadette is with us as well. Bernadette's in Wexford uh, from the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity. Bernadette, this recategorisation today, how, how, like, is it a good thing in your view? Hi, Andrea. First, How are you? Thank you? Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Secondly, this is wonderful for people who live with obesity because finally these guidelines are out there for, for the medical people but also for people who live with obesity who don't understand still what they live with, who blame themselves, you know, because people around them blame them as well. So I think this is a game changer for everybody across the board, do you think there's often a sort of um, a very simplistic view or a simplistic approach attached to this, Bernadette? Absolutely. Before um, the science became involved as to the point that we actually now understand it, um, everybody thought it was, you know, eat less, move more, as Cathy said. Um, and from so many people who live with obesity, that is too simplistic. It doesn't work on its own. There are so many other things that are needed because we know now that it's so neurological for one thing, which is why these medications that we've been talking about the last so many months have been have come on board. Mm. But as Cathy said, you know, it's all about getting funding as well for these things to be implemented for people who need them. I mean, can you imagine going to the doctor with something like asthma, with psoriasis, and them saying, oh, go away sort it out yourself mm. it's you know it's walk less or something or don't yeah, yeah okay it's, it's the way you live i mean this is a disease obesity we now know is a disease and these guidelines help to i suppose increase the understanding but also the level of the, de- the disease that somebody has and by using far more now than just the bmi alone i mean you know your functionality your comorbidity comorbidities, all these other things are now taken into account through the new guidelines, which is absolutely wonderful Mm. for everybody, as I said, for those living with it and for people treating it too. The fact that it'll be uh, categorised now um, as a disease, Bernadette, does that help? Do you feel that helps to remove some of the stigma attached? Hopefully it will, because, you know, this the stigma surrounding Wait, I suppose if you think of how many medical conditions over the years have had stigma, which has now been taken away, but obesity has had stigma the whole way through life um, and still does because I suppose, you know, if you look at the simplistic, say, the diet and exercise industry and obviously what they're promoting works for people who don't live with obesity and that's great. But it actually stigmatizes those who do because it's trying to say, well, you know, this is what you should do. But we know that doesn't work. So kind of by removing the stigma, I think it should help people seek the care they actually need because it's all about personal responsibility. And up until now, personal responsibility has been about eat less and move more. Now it's about seeking the actual medical care that you need, like you would for any other chronic disease.
there's I suppose different mixed views coming in um, on this, you know, on this particular issue on the, on the text line today. And I, I'm just I'm interested in your response, Kathy, to this. Like, I'll just one of them here, for instance, is from a listener who says, "My my wife lost a stone in the last two months by eating better and exercising. I feel there's no other way to do it. Please tell me there's a different way and what it is." Um, I'm interested in hearing it. Like, how do you respond to that texture? Because that's that's one of we'll say many messages that's come in. And and uh, as Bernadette said, I suppose we we know that um, in in the human body, if we restrict energy intake, that that can result in in weight loss in some people, but but not in everybody, but certainly in in some people. The the challenge, I suppose, now that we understand the science better, is that we know the body mounts, uh, I suppose, a protective response to that. Our bodies don't like to lose weight, and it tends to affect metabolism and appetite. And and over time, if if people have uh, restricted energy intake or or, or really in, in increased exercise in order to lose weight, what you find is that the body just generally won't won't be able to maintain that. That that it's it's a real it's really difficult to, to keep weight down in, in, that, in that scenario. So if we're thinking about obesity as a, a lifelong and chronic disease, those kind of I suppose, quick fixes, they, they don't work in the longer term. Or they They're might for some people, but not, but not for everybody. Yeah, and, and I suppose we, we tend to underestimate the biology. We tend to really focus on the behavioural side and think, well, if people can maintain these, these behaviours, um, that, that will work. But but actually, the biology is, is really, really powerful. And we have a, a chapter in the guidelines actually just explaining the science of obesity. And I suppose that, that's something, if people are interested in this topic, mm. it's, it's definitely worth reading. Okay. Um, it presents it in, a, I suppose, a, 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 an, e, an easy way to understand it. But there's really complex neurobiology behind it. And that's what challenges any of these, these quick fixes, yeah. I suppose. 1800 453 is the number if you want to join us here today. Dr. Ava Orsman, specialist in uh, type 2 diabetes reversal and weight loss, is, is on the line as well. Ava, do you uh, welcome the guidelines today? Absolutely. And it's wonderful. I mean, I hope that government is going to really take this serious and give the support and the guidance and the education for people who are living with obesity, because, of course, the name obesity means that people are carrying people who live with obesity, carry so much excess weight that it's affecting their health. But obviously, this is a very, very complex issue. And if majority of Irish people nowadays are overweight or obese, so it's affecting a lot of people. But I think one of the things I would like to start is that obviously, always in medicine, you know, prevention is better than cure. So I really hope that First of all, the government is not just trying to now say that they're going to start treating people with obesity, but they're actually also starting to do something to prevent, you know, uh, more people getting affected. But um, so this means that we should obviously not forget children because we know that childhood obesity is at huge increase. 25% of children are already suffering from overweight and obesity. And uh, while um, I agree with many things that Cathy has mentioned there, I think it's first of all really important that when we when we put a label of chronic on any disease, like Cathy say there, that obesity is considered a chronic disease. Chronic basically means that it very much takes the hope from people 
to, that anything can be done because chronic means that it's a disease that you will have it forever. Um, for example, type 2 diabetes is typically considered chronic progressive disease. Chronic, you have it forever progressive. It will only get worse. And it's very, very much linked to overweight and obesity where that doesn't need to be the case. While I totally agree that losing weight is not easy, um, it needs guidance and it usually needs a helping, you know, support, almost like a helping hand to do it together. It's very difficult to lose weight on your own. We need to remember that the government guidelines with the very old-fashioned food pyramid, which was modified two mm. years ago, are still in function. And in if we look at the dietary guidelines in hospital, anybody, for example, who is diagnosed with type 2 diabetes will know that. Many people are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and they are never even given an access to dietitian. And if they are getting access to dietitian, they're very much told to follow the, the food pyramid guidelines, which is very much okay. based on high carbohydrate intake. So what I'm saying, I think that it's important that the government doesn't just offer pharmacological treatment, bariatric treatment, and, and, and basically take the encouragement away mm. from people, very, very much saying, yeah. you will have this forever. There's very little, we just need to tolerate this and accept this. Okay. I think so, we still need to give people hope. Yeah, is, that, that, that's a fair point though, Cathy, isn't it? That maybe the entire focus shouldn't be around a reactionary approach and, and just as much focus on prevention. Yeah, obviously prevention is important as well as treatment. Um, we're being really clear, I suppose, that the, the guidelines today are about treatment. They're, they're not about prevention. And the strategies and things that have been shown to be effective for prevention are, are quite different. They're public health measures and they apply to all chronic diseases, not, not just obesity. But, but these are very much about treatment. And, and, and one of the points I, I think I would disagree with, with Dr. Ava on is the idea that describing obesity as a chronic disease takes away hope. There, we have really good qualitative research and evidence showing that it's, it's actually the opposite. When people understand that obesity is a long-term condition and feel that it's better understood by healthcare professionals, they, they, they find it's actually a really helpful approach and that it's not being thought about as something that is solely their responsibility and based on their, their ability to, to um, you know, enact lifestyle behaviours with, within a really challenging environment. Um, so that, that message, I think, is actually a positive thing. Do you see it as a positive thing, Eva? I actually have helped many, many people who were previously told that they couldn't lose weight and have actually managed to totally change their their um, their lifestyle and they have managed to lose massive amount of weight and their quality of life has improved. And the reason they said they weren't able to do it before because basically the guidelines and the education was wrong. They were basically told to eat wrong foods. And I think this is what totally lacking from these guidelines. We are not mentioning anything about how we're going to educate people to compose the diet. What type of food to eat, cooking lessons. Uh, I think the prevention is extremely important because if we just concentrate on treatment, we are stopping the, the new cases and, and, and children who are basically, now we know that it's children are so more and more affected where, where obesity used to be a middle-aged disease. Now it's actually becoming in younger and younger people. And of course, you can imagine in years to come, the consequences are going to be even huge because the disease starts at earlier stage. So I think education and, and prevention should be really first and, and really 
giving the support with different um, dietary approaches around the country in HSC clinics would be really important and not just concentrate again on pharmacotreatment and bariatric okay. surgery and basically uh, accepting the situation that now you are suffering from a chronic disease, there's nothing to be done. As I said, I have helped many, many people to reverse type 2 yeah. diabetes, to lose weight, and I think we need to still encourage people to try to even lose 10% of their initial weight because that would give huge, huge uh, improvement yeah. in the quality you, of life. Do, do, Bernadette, you're still with us as well. Do, do, like yeah. The classification of obesity as a chronic disease, Like, what's your view on that? Well, from a lived experience, I absolutely welcome it because I have lived my whole life from early childhood with this. I can understand what Dr. Eva is saying, and she's coming at it, I presume, from her own scientific point of view, but I'm coming at this from having lived it. I have tried every eating thing known to man, every new diet that came out, you know, and I would lose some weight, but it would never maintain. And it wasn't that I would suddenly go and kind of eat whatever. It was because my body was adjusting to what I was doing because my body just did not want to hold on to the weight loss. So some people can maintain for a certain length of time. And I'm sure some of Dr. Eva's patients have. But over time, most people, this is why it's chronic. And this is what we have got to get people to understand. Most will, over their lifetime, go up and down. And it's not their fault. This is the point. The point is... We do need other treatments out there aside from diet and exercise because, as I said, they will work initially, but we're talking about long term and we're talking about trying to lower your set point. Um, And obviously your set point is the point that your body feels happy at, the, the weight it feels happy at, and your body will always try to get to re to return to that weight. Um, And that's why we need these extra helps. And obviously, because we know it's so neurological as well, that these treatments are absolutely vital because Mm. they work on the part of the brain, not the part of the brain where you make your own choices. These are subconscious parts of the brain that are kind of run by um, disordered hormones sending the wrong signals. You know, and this is why we as patients and why we need to understand that this is chronic. You will see so many people who don't understand, who go for bariatric surgery, possibly abroad. They come back, they think that's it. They think they're fixed. There is no fix yeah, for this. Okay. Even after surgery, you can still regain. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting um, conversation and, and a lot to, to consider uh, today, actually, having having you know listened to all of your views, both Cathy uh, Breen, Bernadette there from the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity and uh, Dr. Eva Orsmond as well. Um, thanks a million for your time on the show. I'd love to hear people's views, your maybe your own lived experience of this today, like the, the fact that it's going to be categorised now um, as a chronic disease and and not a lifestyle illness. If you're somebody living with obesity, like what what is the impact of this for you today? How does it change things? Do you welcome it or or do you have some reservations uh, just like uh, Ava Orsman there that spoke to us over the past a few moments. Look 53106 that's the text line number. We are going to come back to this a little bit later in the show. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. 
A little earlier in the show, we were talking about these new guidelines that have been released uh, from the HSE today, calling for obesity to be treated as a disease and not a life uh, a lifestyle illness. And um, there's been a lot of reaction to this actually on the program. Eighteen hundred four five three one zero six is the number if you want to chat to us here today. You can do that. Katie is on the line. Uh, Katie, you got in touch about this. Why? I did. I, I, unfortunately, I just came in at the end of Eva, Eva Orsman's talking, but I got enough to hear that obesity is now being classed as a disease and not like a lifestyle condition or yeah. a lifestyle choice. But my daughter uh, is 23. She's mildly autistic with learning difficulties. And I hate to say it, but she is obese. She struggles desperately with her weight. Now, we have put her on programs. I had her enrolled in a program last year uh, with um, a dietitian and a kind of a, a lady who put her through her paces exercise-wise. And uh, we, we spent a thousand euro on it, and it was, it was to no avail. She stuck to it for about three weeks, and then she just fell by the wayside. Um, she, she has... As I said, she's learning difficulties, so she has complex difficulties in comprehension of some kind of of understanding of, let me say, if I was to try and explain to her, look, you're putting your heart at risk, you're putting your kidneys at risk, you stand to risk diabetes, all these things. She doesn't get that. Um, So she is going to continue the way she is. She'll go through a pattern of being good and eating well, and eating healthy, and then she falls by the wayside, and she kind of gorgeous. She secret eats. I know she buys food and eats hides it in her bedroom because I've found it many times, but she doesn't get it. So for her to get the correct help, and please God, the medics will come on board with this and whatever they find mm. with with now diagnosing it as a disease. Maybe then that what I'm saying is I was delighted to hear yeah. that this is yeah. this has come about. Because I think it can only do good, you know. It was one of the interesting things that, that Cathy Breen, uh, the points that she mentioned, and I appreciate you, you might have missed that bit at the very start of the programme just today. Uh, I did Katie. miss the yeah. start, yeah. Uh, Cathy's yeah. involved in, in putting the um, these guidelines together, you know, and she, she just made the point that, like, you know, f- for some people, um, it'll, it, it, you know, it'll just be as simple as eat less and move more. And for some people, people will just lose weight by doing that. For many, many other yeah. people, though, it, it won't. And that won't be the case. And there'll be, there's loads of other different considerations that come into, into play, like genetics, the environment, stress, sleep, you know, a whole, a whole list of other things. And, and for that yeah. reason, you, you, you mentioned hormones as well. Yeah. yeah. That you, you need, you know, that you, you need a, a, I suppose a more complex, um, approach, you know, to, to, to this. And it's interesting yeah. people talking about it, you know, um, today, a lot of focus around the destigmatizing. Um, issues around obesity. Yeah, like is is that something that you're concerned about with your daughter, or does your daughter ever oh, experience absolutely. that? Yeah, oh, absolutely, all through school, all through school, she really was ostracised by a lot of her. Now it was also to do with her 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 condition, her autism, and everything like that. In that she couldn't, she can relate perfectly to friends of my age to adults, but that's because adults are very patient with her and in, include her and inclusive but she was mm. never included in anything in school because the stigma was there she's fat she's big she's fat she's awkward she's clumsy you know but the fat thing the fat you know cool kids aren't fat yeah. uh, I, there was a lot of that went on through school um, 
I've look, we've we've been had lots of ups and downs with her, but um, this is this is a serious issue because for, for her health mm. as well. And and we as her parents, we're not young parents. We had her slightly late in life, so we have huge concerns about her. And I'd love something to be put in place. I mean, it, I crave it. Yeah, you know? see, it's good. I know, and 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 that's Bernadette Keenan from the the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity. Bernadette was with us as well earlier, you know, and and she says like a lot of people really welcome this today, and and hearing this is mm. there's a sort of a support mechanism now in place, or the the fact I suppose that it's been obesity has been recognised. Um, as yes. a disease and yes. and, and, and as a as a chronic a chronic disease at that as well. Um, I yeah. suppose the big focus now, though, Katie, will be around the funding for this and actually getting you know systems and supports in place for people. Oh well, there we go. <laughs> That'll be a big mountain to climb, won't it? Yeah, that's. I can tell you from the text mm. today. Um, that's very much the, the the focus on on all on all of this. Um, well, actually, here's a text on it. Um, you can have all the systems in place for obesity and type 2 diabetes, but if you can't see a consultant for two years, then what's the point? I've been cancelled five times in two years in County Donegal. It's farcical, says this listener. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, well, hopefully that'll, yeah. hopefully that'll have to be something that, uh, that's considered in all of this too. Dominic is with us as well, Katie. Um, Dominic, do you welcome th- th- this recategorization now from today? Um, I'm not too sure, actually. Um, Categorising it as a chronic disease or not, I don't. I don't know. But I heard is it Ava? I think talking. Yes, Ava was about with us. Yeah, using uh, diet and uh, lifestyle changes to, um, to to change your health. Basically, about twenty years ago in my fifties, I had serious health problems. I was struggling to walk up a, a single flight of stairs. I was being treated for fibromyalgia. When the medication didn't work for that, it gave me more medication for polymyalgia without being able to um, explain to me exactly what it was. But I heard a, a nutritional therapist, this was going back 20 years ago, now, on, on News Talk talking about uh, nutritional therapy and her career, what she was doing with it. Mm. And um, I went to her seminar a few days later in Wexford. Um, I, she referred me to a, a local nutritional therapist and uh, consultation uh, now a little over an hour cost me 100 euro at the time best 100 euro I ever spent in my life because within a week I was literally running up the stairs this is lifestyle changes I began to realise you know the reason I've been eating what I've been eating all my life is pure habit laziness convenience convenience food and that type of thing you know okay and from then on I, um, I've never looked back and the morning of my 70th birthday there last year, I actually went out on my daughter's uh, trampoline. I did 70 jumps on the trampoline. No problem whatsoever. Yeah. It's purely, and you know, from then on, having met the nutrition therapist, from then on I started educating myself about diet and lifestyle. Okay. Uh, that was one of the points actually Ava Orisman made a little earlier as well Katie in in our chat you know and she, she talked about the need for she felt there was you know the guidelines were welcome news um, but she said that she felt there was a need for a greater focus around education as well you know in in, in the early yeah, stages Yeah absolutely and, and that gentleman what's his name actually congratulations Dominic um, Dominic congratulations Dominic well done Um I'd love to find out the name of your nutritionist because the one I use cost me a thousand in God nowhere. But you just mentioned convenience food as well. They're lethal, you know. This, these takeaways and everything like that—they're absolutely lethal. And my daughter, she has a 
she's on a national disability benefit, so she has her own money, and that's the heartbreaking thing. Now she can just go and get herself takeaways as well as everything else. So education is prime. It's top of the list, but it's to get through to my child who has learning disabilities is another thing. Dominic, you sound perfectly normal, and you, you took it on board, and you taught yourself and got on it, but... You know, there there must be hundreds like my daughter mm-hmm. also out mm-hmm. there, you know, who have yeah. the learning difficulty to comprehend what's important, what, what good eating is. Mm-hmm. I mean, her hus- my husband and myself, we have really good diets, the two of us. She doesn't see us eating rubbish or muck or takeaways or anything like that. We both eat really well. So it's not, it, we're leading by example, but it's not been taken up. And I suppose that look, that's the, the, the that's the, the the focus of this too. I suppose of the consideration is that there's there's so many other elements to this, and and not just what's on the plate, and and not just the the exercise element of it. From from listening to the experts, um, I know these new guidelines today that, that are going to treat obesity as a chronic disease. They will use things, Dominic, like you mentioned, like uh, medical nutritional therapy. There's also physical therapy. There's psychological interventions as well um, to care for for parents and for patients. I should say actually as part of the guidelines. Look, if you want to share your thoughts with us today, if you've been listening to this, 1800 453 is the number to call. Katie and Dominic, look, thank you for joining us and uh, sharing your thoughts with us on the programme today. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.